Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvesting Nature's Wild Fish and Game Podcast. you got your host here. Justin Townsend, and uh, today we've got a very special guest, which I'm going to introduce you to momentarily. But first, I want to uh, give you some quick updates on myself, and uh, we also have our favorite podcast producer here as well, which he's going to probably give us some updates. Hopefully, hopefully he's doing great things in the world. I think he is. But uh, for myself, so whether here in Key West, so-so, uh, spearfishing visibility is not great. I'm back here, uh, for a little while, probably till the end of next week, uh, which I'll head up to the mainland of Florida to try my hand at some duck hunting from kayak actually. So this is a new one and, uh, close out deer season via rifle here in central Florida. But, uh, other than that, not much going on with me. Uh, just kind of rest in between travel, but, uh, Corey, you got for us brother sounded like you had uh, a successful trip to your homeland oklahoma with uh, duck hunting and some deer hunting. i did yep it was a, a great visit uh while i was there visited family visited friends did some deer hunting duck hunting even squirrel hunting with zoe too uh and also we met up or yeah we met up with uh emily and ryan from the way we hunt and did some video recording, which those are out. Uh, if you go check out their YouTube page and, and our uh, normal website, the videos are there as well. Well, And then we also recorded a podcast on sous 
which should be out. So roll back a couple episodes after you finish this one and check out that and learn all about the sous vide of the wild game. Well, all the all about it, all about it that we know. So um, outside of that, Corey, what's what's good? Well, we today is the last day of our late season flintlock flintlock only season. So we're uh, wrapping that up today. I did not harvest any deer in the late season, although I had uh, an opportunity. Uh, but you will hear more about that in an upcoming episode where I, I talked to a couple friends. We're going to talk about our our late season hunting escapades and uh, what all goes into flintlock hunting in Pennsylvania. So, but uh, just now waiting for the ice to get thick enough to get out there and catch some perch and we got some late season small games still happening it's a i will say i saw your attire uh for the flintlock you're going the traditional route yeah it's called a pennsylvania tuxedo (laughs) and what does a pennsylvania tuxedo consist of it is praying that it's a raccoon hat please say (laughs) raccoon hat (laughs) no it's uh it's woolrich so woolrich is I think everybody's familiar with Woolrich clothing. They uh, are originally from central Pennsylvania where they create, you know, wool that, that, you know, that classic Buffalo plaid wool. You'd see a lot of guys with the, the Buffalo plaid wool jacket and pants. I don't have, or my, my pants have a big hole in the crotch. So I only sport the jacket. (laughs) Probably Uh, not effective that way. (laughs) Well, it's a little, uh, little drafty yeah i could imagine and uh i did i did get a stormy cromer um and i think our guest today probably heard of stormy cromer i a buffalo plaid hat for christmas a year or two ago that i uh topped it all off with so that is that is the required required uh uniform for late season flintlock hunting that is sharp i can already yeah. envision it i don't even need to see a picture I can super already just classy. envision, yeah, super classy. Sika ain't got nothing on Buffalo Plant, I can tell you that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, uh, definitely looking forward to hearing that podcast episode. That That's probably going to be a good one. But outside of that, I did want to mention our hat giveaway. So, we are doing hat giveaways for reviews um, as part of program to say thank you for those who leave five-star reviews five-star written reviews uh, by the way and and we normally read those on the podcast but i came unprepared tonight so i'm not prepared to read one but next week we're we're right back in it and uh we'll do that all you got to do so in the show notes here if you scroll down a little bit and uh take a look you'll see rate this podcast click that link syncs you uh, with whatever device or whatever platform is compatible with your phone, and it will let you leave a review for us, which we'll get a little email notification. Bing! I'll go and read it, and I'll say, "Oh, this is cool," and I'll throw it in with the mix-up of all the other reviews that we get. And uh, week by week, either myself or Corey, we reach into the hat of reviews and pull one out and read it, and we say, "Hey, send us an email, and uh, we'll send you a hat, and you pick it directly off our store." So. That is that. But, Corey, you got some other good news for us about what's going on in, in the world of podcasts and, and writing. 
we are recording new episodes for the latest season of Adventures for Food. So uh, I've, I've listened to a couple stories already and got some got some good ones coming to the listeners. And uh, we're trying to get more field staff writers, guests, and other contributors to uh, to record and tell their stories. And it's always it's always a good listen. So I'm excited for that. Nice. And uh, we've got some other news too, right? Right. So outdoor news. It's it's a outdoor you know hunting and fishing publication that covers New York, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, you know up in that Midwest Northeast area. Uh, they have a series called Taste of the Wild, and I think it I think it might be a weekly weekly series, and they release a recipe that is relevant to their current to current seasons. You know, as spring comes, you'll see turkey recipes and walleye recipes. And but uh, harvesting nature is a big part of that series. So uh, keep an eye out for that. You'll see different recipes from all of our uh, from different field staff writers and contributors. And uh, I have a recipe in there. And I believe you, Justin, you have a couple recipes going as well. Yep. Yeah, and uh, pretty excited. We've been writing. Corey and I've been writing for them for about five or six years now. So. Uh, a great relationship we have with the folks over at Outdoor News, and then we also had uh, we had Evie on the podcast here back in season two, where she talked sort of about her experience, uh, both as as sort of the the food editor, and then also some of her previous adventures, which I was pretty excited to learn. She's like involved in like salmon fishing in Alaska and all kinds of crazy stuff too. So yeah, I think she was living off the grid for a while. Yeah, that I, uh, it still blows my mind. It's cool though, not in a bad way. Like I don't. It's not that I didn't expect it. It's just it's neat. You hear about people. You're like, oh, Sonzo lived off the grid, but you never really like. It's like someone's uncle's cousin's brother's seamstress lived <laughs> off the grid, <laughs> but uh, never one like, oh wow, you did it and survived. So that's great. Now, so we're gonna get into who our guest is, what he does. I'm going to introduce him in a moment. But as soon as we talk a little bit about him, stay tuned because we're going to do some talks about recipes. We've got a good show lined up. Corey did a good job putting this one together. I'm excited. But to introduce our guest, he is a hunter, farmer, wild game cook, husband, and a father. He's the host of the Huntivore podcast, which is part of the Sportsman's Nation podcast network. And Huntivore itself is about the pursuit of natural protein and the love for wild creation. I introduce you to the one, the only, Nick Otto. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much. Folks, folks, wonderful applause. Appreciate it. <laughs> Go ahead, sit down, sit down. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast tonight. This is this is super exciting. Yeah, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on, and, and thanks for having me on your podcast just a, a few weeks ago. That was a great time. It was, and it really kind of fell in out of nowhere. Um, I've I've known Corey for for a little while. We've connected earlier, and then uh, then he shot me an email, and I was excited to open that. And yeah, he was like, "Hey, is there any chance that we can get Justin on the show?" And I was like, "How about right now?" And we did it <laughs> that weekend. So that was that was really fun how that all came together. Um, and we got yeah, we had a great episode talking about. Uh, sportsmen and what their New Year's resolutions could be. And we had a we had a good lineup of those. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty, pretty, pretty excited about that. Corey, what did you think of the episode? Did you listen to it? 
Yes, I did. It was a good episode. A lot of good uh, New Year's resolutions from a, a sportsman's perspective. So if, uh, if anybody out there hasn't listened to it yet, they probably should. Yep. Agreed. So uh, head over to whatever podcast platform you listen to and, and search for The Hunt of War. You, you should be able to get that. But uh, also, too, I saw you today you tagged Harvest of Nature with the, the Mayo Steak Sear. I tell you, that is, it never gets old. Like a magician can pull a rabbit out of the hat, and everybody can predict that. But at the same time, I'm still blown away at how well that works. Um, just the magic that happens with the emulsified egg and oil that you're, you're not lay, laying it on thick onto your piece of meat. It's not a slather. It's just merely brushing it on if you got a brush. Um my one child, actually, he's taken the brush someplace. We don't know where it's at. So it was butter knife tonight. <laughs> but anyway, we'll be able to spread that on real thin. And you put the meat down. You, I did it in cast iron. And you just don't move it. I set a timer for 45 seconds because otherwise I want to peek. I want to look at it. Put a timer on. Stop yourself from doing that. And you will be rewarded. Because I did. I, I rolled that over. And it is the most beautiful piece of venison. I don't care if it's backstrap or if you're using a, a large muscle off the leg or even the, the shank, you're going to get a crust that something that you just can't get from using a, using oil or butter or something alone. Adding that, adding that mayo in really is just some magic. And it, it's crazy. It's like you tell people. So I used it this past week uh, during New Year's. Like we were cooking, we did sous vide uh, for some steak and some lamb chops at my buddy's house. They were like, not not cheap cuts because it's a special day. You want to mark a special last meal of 2020 with some great food. So uh, we did that, and I was like, hey, man, uh, you got any mayo? And he's like, for what? And I was like, for the steaks. And he's like, what do you mean for the steaks? Like, we're just we're going to sear them in the pan. And I was like, yeah, yeah, trust me. And he looked at me like I asked him for a million dollars, which was insane. But he's like, I trust you, Justin. You seem to have it together most days so yeah no it turned out great and it's so good it's so easy too um i think it's a pretty common ingredient in most people's household and i think you were like you were one of the first people that are like nope this is a great idea i'm doing it and uh i i'm trying to remember where i even i i saw it was in like a news article back probably about a year ago or so and i was reading it and i was researching sort of what to talk about on the podcast and all all the other stuff and i was like mayo on steaks and so i read more into the science behind it and i was like this is great got to do it so and there you have it uh now it's we we slather our wild game with mayo yeah (laughs) it was my answer to the hank shaw yeah it was my answer to the Hank Shaw, don't use oil. Because when you coat something with oil, it heats it up. And that's where you're trying to get that crust. But there's no mm-hmm. fat in venison, at least at that point. There's no yep. surface fat. And it basically just cooks it faster. So you end up with now gray and overdone. And mm-hmm. so it was like, well, then what do I do, Hank? And I I hadn't got that from him. It was basically just make your, make your coals hotter and... Uh, just be more attentive to what you were doing. And so the mayo happened to fall into my lap right at that moment or the, the mayo trick. And so it was like, boom, I'm running with it. I'm going with it. And sure enough, that stuff really works. Perfect. Well, um, 
before we quickly go down a rabbit hole with the mayo, because <laughs> I could talk about it forever on all the things that I've I've used it with. But uh, please, this is your first time on the podcast, so so tell us a little more about yourself, uh, about Huntivore, about why you do what you do. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, my name's Nick Otto. I'm uh, 200 pounds, 5'8", short squat. That's my fighting weight, though. Um, I hail from Michigan uh, on the west side, so more of the Lake Michigan side as opposed to the Huron. Um, for folks that still don't know where that's at, go ahead and hold your hand facing towards you, and right on the meaty side of your palm. Is, Wait, which hand? Well, it would be your right hand facing towards you. Okay, got it. And then, yeah, right in that little... Right in that meaty palm, where uh, where rare would be if you're if you're using your hand for where it would be rare. Right, right there. there you go. You can't. There see. you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's where I hail from. Um, really got into hunting late into life. I'm one of those adult onset hunters, um, but I'm also a guy who really appreciates food. Uh, grew up on a farm, uh, domestic turkeys. And so seeing the ins and outs of both the critter and the operation uh, really had me have an understanding of of what meat consumption is all about, that you can't take it lightly. And being a small business, uh, there was a lot of passion in what we did. So switching over to, to hunting post-college, it, it really kind of added more depth to getting protein. Um, not, a, not afraid to say that domestic is what feeds our country. I mean, we can't diss domestic, uh, but at the same time, like wild game is an amazing supplement that can help us basically enrich what we're having. It can, it, it's a healthy alternative if people are really looking for that. And at the same time, it offers a flavor profile you're never going to find. So being a kid who likes to eat and uh, now he's hunting, I wanted to figure out how can I make this taste good? How can I best serve this to my at that point, it was just me and my wife, but now family. And, hey, I'm going to start a podcast and just basically use that as an excuse to talk to people. And sure enough, I've got a lot of people to talk to on it. It's awesome. How, how long have you been running with your podcast? Uh, this is year three coming into 2021. So it's, nice. been, it's been going good. I, I went with a slower pace. I went every other week. So I know for for folks that are, are in media or they're into the the analytics of social media, they know like, oh man, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be every week. And unfortunately, when you're balancing a lot of things, I'm, I'm balancing a lot of plates and I'm probably dropping a lot of plates too. So I picked that every other week, but at the same time, it's, uh, I've tried to really be consistent. And so, so far it's been good and I've had a good response. And I think that there's a lot of people that are kind of in the same boat that I'm in, that it's, I want to pick the brains of people who hunt and fish and how, who can, cook and cook the stuff as well so we just want to keep on basically treating our wild game with the utmost respect absolutely i i appreciate the fact too so i i grew up in an in an agriculture family and uh was very involved in it as a as a younger man and then got into the the horticulture side here in the past two or three years down here doing doing hydroponics uh for vegetables and lettuces and greens and all that uh we just recently well recently a year ago we sold uh our farm that we had started down here and but uh still really proud of of my agricultural roots and i I think it's cool yeah like you you hit you hit the nail on the head 
uh, in saying like, yes, so domestic meat feeds our country. Uh, I agree with that 100%. I mean, I grew up the same wild game supplemented uh, what we, what we couldn't grow, raise or purchase for various reasons. But um, you know, we did enjoy it uh, in every asset of life. And I, I think that, coming into adulthood and sort of trying to find that reconnection with one with sort of the way that I grew up as a kid, but also like trying to eat more wild and then balancing family and and wanting to provide the most I could from them. I took on, you know, that fact of like wild game going out and doing it yourself. Like I don't have the resources to raise cattle here. I would, uh, or, you know, anything. So, Wild game, I think, is is the best bet, and I, I I do trust the trust the source, and you get a lot of a lot of the pro words thrown out there like organic, all natural, and things like that. It's like, yes, they're good, but sometimes you can't put them in the same category, and so I think you just kind of have to go with that. But uh, I do like your perspective and and agree with that. That yeah, like, hey, you know what? Sometimes I like. I eat primarily wild game foods and fish, but it's like sometimes I want a steak. I want a steak from beef. I yeah. like it. It tastes like, amazing. You can't refute it. Yeah. Um, and I it, I could even say like, man, I don't want to get into cur- current events, but it does kind of like spin into kind of our our situation right now here as, an, as a nation that when you do speak with someone new and you're trying to get the chance to know them, that it's one of those like, well, are you this way or that way? Because there's nothing in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you only eat wild game or do you only eat domestic? And that that doesn't have to be uh, the story. And in fact, with with huntivore, as much as it does correlate with being a carnivore, at the same time, I feel that it's got more of a grasp with the term locavore. Um, now, I've been wearing flannel since before it's cool. I'm not completely hipster. <laughs> But at the same time, they've got some good ideas. And the idea of being able to gain your food and produce within a small range of where you're at saves on diesel, saves on gas. Um, you At that point, you probably know the grower. You probably know the rancher, the farmer. And there's a relationship that can be made there as much as it is the that you're aspiring to go do the big adventure out West or to head on down to Texas to do this, some epic hunt. There is, I would say in every corner of the nation, including people that that are listening to this right now, there is a spot one to two hours away that can be an adventure and can provide you with some awesome wild protein. Uh, you know, it may not be glamorous like an elk. It might be, you know, five squirrels on your hip, but at the same time, that's that's a lot to be desired for, and you're not going to find that anywhere else. No, I, I I appreciate that, Corey. You're a big fan of squirrels. What uh, what, what's your your weigh in on our our thoughts on protein here? I wholeheartedly agree. I love. I feel accomplished when I look down at my dinner plate and I'm like, that is a piece of mm-hmm. meat that I shot in the the woods behind my house. That is a you know, the greens are from my garden. That's uh, tomatoes that my friend gave me out of his garden. It's a sense of accomplishment knowing that I know exactly where all those pieces of food came from. And I know I know what's going into my body. So I, I totally get that. I totally agree. 
And I, I think latching on to the, the concept of like the, the locavore, um, it, it's definitely huge, you know, like being a grower here in Key West where it was relatively small, it's like you'd have conversations with people of like, Oh, I love what you're doing. I think it's great. We want to get behind you. And I'm like, it's really easy. Like every week we sell our produce. You just got to come by and buy it. And then they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to come see you next week. And then, you know, next week I'd run into him at the grocery store buying what the same thing that I'm selling just from the grocery store. I'm like, come on, like <laughs> you got to support it. Like, um, but uh, within that saying, it's sort of like, I will say, yes, I'm, I'm okay with flip flipping from both wild game to domestic meat. I'd lean towards wild game naturally uh, and fish too, obviously wild protein. Uh, but I would say on the domestic side, I'm very particular about where I get meat. And I, I want to know, just like Corey said, I, I want to know where it comes from. I want to know its origins, if I can produce it or, you know, if I'm even traveling back home and getting meat from my family, like that's one thing that's uh, pretty rewarding. But other than that, like, like Nick said, know, know your farmer. There's probably a farmer or rancher or a chicken rancher or somebody around within a, a, a short radius that can it can help you out and provide. And uh, I think knowing that, cause like they say sort of we'll call them like the big box stores, some of the big box stores, they say there's an average of like 25 to 50, which is a large margin people that touch that piece of meat before you pick it up and put it in a skillet. And I mean, that's going from people who are raising it, people who are, transporting it to feedlots to processing facilities to butchers to like all these other things if you think about the complexity and all the stuff that goes in it, it's just like oh my gosh it'll make your head hurt but to know like the great thing sort of why i get super passionate about this is is twofold is one i know when i go out hunting or fishing that it's that there's like i'm reducing the points of contact to like who's who's in my immediate vision uh, you know, is it my friend? I'm handing him the fish. He's putting it in the cooler. I'm getting back. One of us is filleting it. Like the, you're reducing it drastically. Same for wild game. Like I'm haul, I'm shooting it. I'm hauling it out. I'm doing whatever, but, um, it, it's harder to do that on the domestic side. So I would say n- know, know the process and understand it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, when was the breath. last time that Wild Game was uh, taken off the shelves for a recall? You know, at that point, there hasn't happened. And yeah. you have that in a lot of cases where there's no. contamination. So um, you hope that the farmers and producers are, are doing their best. and But stuff happens um, because hands are touching it, just like you said. So the less hands mm-hmm. on it, when it's when it's you bringing it down, not only is there a sentimental or a... Uh, I could go into a, you know, a spiritual thing in there as well, but at the same time, it's a, um, yeah, you're taking it all on yourself. It is more work. It is sweat equity and sweat equity does taste like something amazing on the plate. Yep. Just like Corey says, you look down you're like, man, this is great. This is what, this is what I envisioned when I pulled the trigger or when I skinned that squirrel or pulled that, wait, what was it, Corey, that the leaves were toxic? Oh, parsnips. So was it you got the rash from? Parsnips. Parsnips. Yeah. Don't pull parsnips. Lesson learned. Wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
I will while while we're we're changing gears here. I had a great moment with my daughter today. Uh, we were talking about I was doing research for our, our recipe conversation and sort of like family meals. And I was like, Zoe, what's your what's your favorite wild game meal I've made like recently? And of course, she names like the one I cooked today. And I was like, Well, what's your second one? She's like, Hmm. And she thinks back and she's like, I don't know. There's just been so many. And I was like. It doesn't answer my question, but it it's a proud moment. <laughs> right. It just means we're we're cranking them out to where uh, to where you can't necessarily. I don't want to say it, none stand out, but uh, <laughs> they're all equally good. <laughs> um, but speaking of family, uh, one thing we wanted to talk about tonight because I know you're a family man yourself, and uh, sort of balancing family and hunting and time a field um, sort of like what you, what you do to make it work. Gotcha. Yeah. You threw in the whole idea of balancing family and hunting and man, I got a lot of plates that are spinning and there's plates that are falling. So balancing is definitely better some days. And then other days there, there ain't no balance at all. It's crash and burn. Um, but that's, I mean, when you're, uh, when you're, when you're a larger family and, and you're trying to, to work your way through stuff and you've got now more mouths to feed and you've got uh, different personalities and just my three boys, they're all young right now. I got a six, four and two. So it's as much as I say family, it really is like a tribe that at any given moment, three people are, are yelling. And that I say people, cause it, it could be us as an adults <laughs> as well, yelling, crying, screaming, half our clothes are off because we don't want to wear that color shirt or this guy's picking on me or we're all chasing after the dog. It's, it's a chaotic mess, but it's something that in, in my tired time right now, it's also one of those things that I would never ever give up or never want to say, Hey, let's, let's fast forward through this because out of that chaos, out of that, that craziness has been some amazing bonding moments, not only just with my wife being able to, to watch our kids grow up, but at the same time, um, see who they're becoming, seeing if, you know, our way of life is going to be acceptable to them. And even in their young age, being able to show like hints of like, well, well, I want to do what dad does. And, you know, it, it does, it warms your heart, but it's also one of those things like, man, this might be a heavy load. Cause there's a lot that this little critter is going to need to know before I send them out on their own. This is going to have to be mm-hmm. some time invested. And if you have a, I don't want to say selfish approach, but if, you, if you're always looking at it as far as like, well, I've got goals and I want to achieve, there might be a period of time where your goals on what you're going a field for are going to suffer. But at the same time, there will be time where they can come back, but you've got some training to do of of some of the younger ones. Yeah. And, uh, man, yeah, I, I think I I tell everybody like being a dad's probably like one of the best jobs in the world. It's definitely not the easiest, oftentimes the most challenging. Um, but I just looked at, uh, so we have a a 10 month old now. He's starting to get up there. We're coming on that year mark, which is exciting. But, uh, I was just talking to my wife the other day and I was like, man, could you imagine like a world now, 10 months back where Remy didn't exist. Like he's just now like he's, he's a part of it and uh, the world is a better place for it. So um, I'm like, you. I'm excited to see what they're going to become and what they're going to do. And, 
you know, yeah, but it, is is what my dad does acceptable, or is he just a complete kook? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a kook, but whatever. Uh, they'll go off to high society New York and tell them about their their dad that lives back in the 1900s. <laughs> exactly. Well, even at the same time, like when they they are swapping stories with either their high school buddies or even their their college friends, like you know, my dad used to do this and. My dad used to do that. And then my boys can be like, you know what? My dad actually on the way to work as he's dropping us off at school would watch the ditches as much as he would the middle line just in case there was a fresh kill. And, you know, there wouldn't (laughs) there would not be a time where there wasn't. Oh, I was late because there was this button buck that got smacked on the road. And of course, dad had to pick it up like and. To think about that moment too, like I laugh about it. You know, I'm sitting here; nobody can see me, but I'm working on a mullet myself, so I'm really playing the part of <laughs> of this whole redneck thing that's going on. Um, but at the same time, like what what a crazy enriching thing that these kids are going to be able to experience, and from that, you know, of the lesson of yeah, it sounds crazy, but at the same time, you know, waste not, want not. You know, mm-hmm. we had backstrap tonight, and you know, I still have more backstrap in the freezer. So that's that the bigger lesson behind every kooky thing that dad does. <laughs> Food, a full belly. <laughs> every time we hear a car horn out, outside, I, I run and get my flashlight because we get a lot of hit deer in front of the house. <laughs> I wish I was in that scenario. I get a lot of hit iguanas, uh, as odd as that sounds. Not, uh, we've, we've, Dove into the world of iguana consumption a couple times, but I don't know how regular I can get behind it. But being in Key a, West too, with it being so hot and humid down there, mm-hmm. I bet you're, yeah. you, yeah, it's seconds. I, I think yeah, you yeah. got to, I think you got to watch it happen before yeah. it spoils. It's it just already cooked, and you just go out there and just, you know, <laughs> eat it on on the side of the road. <laughs> Brings a whole new meaning to street food. <laughs> <laughs> but um no uh it's the same yeah we we live the same and and Corey, i know you you being a a family man as well um i know you you do you actually from what i see in the conversations we have like you you do a pretty outstanding job um balancing family because there's definitely times you're like nope uh i've hunted like four weeks in a row I'm, i'm gonna take this week off and just spend it with the family. So I, I, I think that is very honorable. Yeah. I have to, uh, bite my tongue. I have to bear down and, and remember, remember that I have a family when, when those times come <laughs> because, you know, I, I, you know, and I look longingly outside as, you know, it's a perfect crisp fall day and, and, but I know it's better that, that, uh, I'm with my family, but, I do try to kind of to help that balance. And this is one thing I wanted to ask Nick is, you know, I, I take my, my kids out on hunting trips with me to help, help lessen the burden for my wife at home. And to kind of, it's, you know, it's selfishly, I take them out because I want to hunt too. I want to introduce <laughs> them to hunting. Uh, but Nick, I know you said your, your kids are still young, but uh, have you been, taking them out with you into the woods yes um is as far as like late season whitetail uh we haven't done a lot of that um small game is big in 
in my little neck of the woods and uh, and whitetail as well. Those are the the two big primaries, and that is really what kind of seems to get them most excited, um, especially the small game. Um, at small game, I would just wear the the backpack. And it was just one of those like little harness deals where you basically put the kid in the backpack and it's like a little saddle underneath and strap them to you. And I walk around with the, the 22 and we just go for a hike. And at that point you find a squirrel, you know, I can rest up against a tree. And, um, my first child, uh, he really enjoyed the walking part of it. He was more or less kind of like nudge on me or like, you know, tap my shoulder when I would stop to like be still to like bring up the rifle. And, you know, he's he's mo- nudging me to, to keep going. He wants to go on the, the hike, the adventure. Whereas my middle child, when he when he did that, um, I would stop and pause to bring up the rifle. And that's like the critical time to be nice and quiet and just make sure, you know, collect your thoughts and make sure you're you know, shoot straight. And you would just hear this squeal from excitement from (laughs) over your shoulder. And of course, the squirrel that didn't know that you were there is definitely like, well, there is something right there. Not sure what it is. I don't know what this two-headed thing is, but I don't like it. (laughs) But his his infatuation with, uh, with doing that, um, has translated into, to both of them wanting to, pursue what I've been able to do from a young, or from a young age, being able to include them in what I did. Um, and then my youngest, uh, same way. He's, he's a thick little guy. He, he goes, he, he's just like his dad. He's round around the middle. Um, but he, at the same time, he loves to go out and, uh, and, and pursue the, pursue the critters as well. And they do, they, you, you get one, you come up on it, you pick it up and then there's a little hand reaching over cause they want to, they want to be the game bag. They, they want to pick up the critter. They want to pet it. They want to feel it. They want to look at it. Um, and on top of that, even in a young age, there's some lessons that, that go along with that. But at the same time, to see a, a squirrel way off and then have the opportunity to pick one up and pet it and feel it, um, there's a I think there's a connection piece that they're, even at a young age, that they're like, this is a real critter, and it's not just something that I see way off. It's not like the zoo. This is something that we can pursue. So yeah, I've I've brought them out um, with the small game. We attempted the deer sit uh, early season here in October. Um, pop up blind, brushed it in, put it on the field edge, and brought the boys out. And both nights, it just it didn't work out. I I don't know if a coyote ran through that field or if the the neighbors were Bahan with the side by side, but that field was just empty both those nights. So unfortunately we haven't had the interaction of them being able to see deer from the blind Um, on our little rides that we go around the Turkey farm. um, We see deer a lot, but again, it's always way off and to give them their, that experience of seeing a doe and a fawn feed, you know, yards from them where, they get to to hear the little bleats back and forth and how they talk and just to see the whiskers and how nervous they do move about because they are a pursued animal. Like that's just like little things that I'm excited for them to, to really see here as they continue to join me. That's awesome. That's a, well, I, I think that every father should own one of those hiking backpacks for their kids I have a, a Kelty backpack that carries my kids, and my cousin gave it to me when when my daughter was first born. 
and we would first i'd just take her on hikes i wouldn't take her you know hunting or anything and then then it was okay we'll we'll go fishing so all three of my kids were on my back during trout fishing season and then this past year was the first year that i tried actually hunting with a kid on my back with my youngest my my two older ones i never did that with but with my youngest and we got a couple squirrels and so yeah i i if you're a father and you have young kids and you like to hunt or fish those are the best investment because it's like one-on-one time and and it's it's you know you you get to do what you love with the people that you love so it's it's highly recommended i i think about it so when my daughter was younger um when she was first born it was 2012 2012 2013 and uh we were living in california and we had one of those backpacks but i never i never connected the dots uh and now i look back and i really like kick myself for it because there were definitely some opportunities where i think i could have got a, got her out earlier um on the backpack and and then it it, it one triggers like I'm gonna have to get one now. I have one of the front carriers, which we just moved Remy from like facing towards you to like switch him around to like facing you away, and uh, quite the back workout one. But two, like he loved it, like he's kicking his feet and he's just like ha 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 ha, great time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have to get one of the backpacks and put him in there. Uh, Jen, Jen the Archer, she's uh she's wrote some for Harvesting Nature long time ago. She's since then gotten married and has had uh, a child and, and she was doing some of the very same thing, but they were out, they live um, somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I want to say like Oregon, Oregon or Northern California. When she was out, her and her husband elk hunting and she had their, uh, their kiddo with like the earmuffs on, you know, she had like the warm earmuffs and then the sound canceling earmuffs. And like she was trekking and they, they got an elk. I was just like, wow, what an experience to be like a little kid, not even know that like half the country is jealous of you because you're getting to go on this hunt. Exactly. <laughs> and if anybody's looking to like, you know, like, oh, I, I the public land is super cool. I want to do that. And oh, it's hardcore to go trad or flintlock or what other hardcore thing it is. Have a child and then carry it while you go hunting. I think that's like <laughs> right. the next level. How can I be hardcore? <laughs> yeah, we got to come up with a term. Uh that's that's our like homework takeaways to come up with a term for like hunting and backpacking with kids like the point where they all meet, meet. we're gonna coin this term tonight yeah, the first thing that's coming to mind is insane yeah, right. crazy <laughs> <laughs> but yes we, we gotta keep this we gotta find something better um no it's it's such a cool concept and and i i like it i I definitely try to play the balance game and, and Zoe's like, she's all into it. Uh, you know, she's eight years old now and she's just like, she wants to do it. She wants to go. She's, you know, down here in Florida, we're about snakes like year round. So she's got like the, the hip high snake gators. She's got like a camouflage get up. We're actually on like her, her third or fourth size up on camo. So she's like, she's, she's good to go. We went out squirrel hunting in Oklahoma and that was her, her first time uh, going squirrel hunting, and and she was super excited about that. She got to sit in the deer blind one evening, and it was, it was we had like twenty different deer out there, and it was the last night of our our hunt, and um, 
unfortunately didn't get any close enough because we were hunting archery, but uh, she still got to see and like see him interact. And there was like a little a little single six. So he had like half of his half his antlers got knocked off. So he just had nice three point on one side, nothing on the other was was sparring with this little forky and they were just going at it for like 30, 45 minutes. She got to see all this, which is awesome. That's so, it's amazing. And how many people can say at that age, like, you know what, yeah. that was my introduction is I got to see deer, uh, basically living their lives and yeah, like to see them in their natural element and not be on the TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the smells, the sounds, the sights, you know, it's cold, she was popping her bubble gum, which that was my mistake to get rid of that beforehand. <laughs> but, um, you know, no, no, it was, it was a great moment. And then I'm, I'm trying to think about like on, on the spousal side, I, I have to give it to my wife because definitely over the years as my desire to hunt more and sort of grow into my role as a content creator and, whatever label you want to put on it, somebody who just enjoys the outdoors. And so I, I want to spend as much time in it as I can. She's, she's grown to be very patient, but it's, I, I, I'm like both of you guys, like I walk a fine line and sometimes all those plates aren't balanced. And, uh, <laughs> sometimes some days when, when the water's looking really flat and I know my buddies are going out on the boat early in the morning, I'm like, you know what guys, I got to, I'm going to sleep in this morning and spend some time with the family, you know, do breakfast, like really, uh, I'm going to make sure my priorities are in the right place too. Cause it can easily be like, I'll go, 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 go. And then not stop to think about the others. And, and I don't want that. And I'm very cognizant of it. And I think that's probably one of the things that I'm very aware about and always trying to work on to like, make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm in both places all the places <laughs> enough. So, yeah. Um, the idea of like brownie points too, like they, they have a short term life and you know, every, every relationship is going to be different, but at the same time, like just because you put in a lot of time in mm -hmm. the summer months where um, you've got the time or, you know, whatever your time you're, you're not being pressed. Um, that doesn't make it okay for then you to just like abandon everything and be able to just, just take off to the woods. Cause it, it's season. That's, that's when we do this. It's there's not only is there going to be some preparation, there's going to be some, some setup. You got to get your homework done before you can go play. But at the same time we're dealing with, with human beings here and especially, you know, your partner in life um, being your, your significant other, there's got to be a check-in. There's got to be, you know, I, I usually put like, just before things get super hot, like the weekend before Halloween is that, that's a good time for a date night where find a babysitter, get the kids off and you just basically just come back to your significant other and say like, I'm not completely out of this. I'm, I'm choosing mm -hmm. to, you know, make time because they, you know, she is important. Uh, my wife is an amazing person. And just because I have an outdoor infatuation doesn't make it okay for me to just take off just because it's season. Yep. So there's got to be that check-in. There's got to be that, uh, you know, I can't say like there's this set plan, like make sure you always say you love her every hour and a half. Like, no, no, that's not how it, how it works. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta make sure that you're putting in the time, um, during as well. Um, and I found that that was most difficult 
when the babes were super young. You know, you, you're oh, yeah. sitting here with a with a ten month year old Justin, and yeah, they can go in a carrier, but there's not a lot of time where you're going to be able to take that um, that little human being out with you. So there is someone that has to be back to watch them. And in the case mm-hmm. of us, we've got three that are at this point real young. So it's to be home at night with just the kids. It's you got to be on your toes. You got to be on your aim game. It's it's not quite to a point where you can just sit back and hang out and just oh if you need something come get me. It's it's not there yet. As much as that's how I played out some of our evenings where hey dad's going to go to the shop. Just just know that I'm going to be back in a little bit and you know then stuff comes out of the cupboards and it's all all over the place and huge mess. Markers all over the wall. Oh. I'm sick of markers. I mean, oh, I, I love art, but I just, I am done with markers. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we passed that phase, but I think we're circling back around with the, the next <laughs> one. Hopefully we can avoid it, but <laughs> we'll see. One um, one thing I uh, I like to do, or I try to do with my wife before the season starts is like, we try to look at the calendar like, okay, this weekend... I'm going to go down to my parents. We're going to, I'm going to hunt with my dad. And this weekend is the opening day of, of goose season. So let's, I'd like to go hunt that weekend. And she's like, okay, there's, I want to go here on this weekend. So we try to try to try, try is a key word, try to plan it out and have a, a little bit of um, a schedule and, and know what's going to happen, but it doesn't always work. So but that that yeah. help, that helps I, with balancing. We uh we we try to do the same too, and I kind of take it like a, a a week by week. But even sometimes, like I'll say like, "Hey, high vis stuff is happening this month," and then boil it down to like, "Hey, in a couple of weeks, this is happening. Next week, this is happening." And then even day to day, sometimes it's like, "Nope, that one's going to be canceled." So, but. You know what it is. At the end of the day, my family comes first, so uh, that's kind of the big thing. Hey, you said it. Now you got to yeah. stick with it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> You're hosed now, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's true. I mean, I, I, I I've, uh, you know, I spent 34 glorious years with myself. My family's not had the opportunity to spend that much time with me, so I figured they need all the opportunity to spend with me they can. <laughs> well good on you that, that's a yeah. great perspective i like that so um we touched a little bit Corey. you you had a comment in here about a uh, length of hunting trips and i think that's something too i want to i want to hit um and and I'll, I'll let you jump in there in just a moment because so for me Length of trips, it, it comes down to a little bit. So there's nothing within four hours really huntable here. Fishing's easy. Like I can get up. I usually get up before everyone else, have a two-hour fishing session out on the boat, and then be back before you know everybody's ready for breakfast, which is good. So that's doable. And I think given my location, if I was somewhere where you know hunting access was pretty easy or, you know, on family land or whatever, like that's generally the case, but it, it, my trips do tend to be a little more longer because of travel, which does require some more planning, logistics, compromise and all the other stuff. But uh, I'm curious to hear kind of what, how it stands for you guys. 
Yeah, uh, Corey hit that right on the head. I'll let Corey start off on that. But yeah, going with hours instead of days is really uh, something to stand by. Yeah, I, I I see you, Justin, go on your Wyoming trip every year, and and you know other friends going out west, and I get I get not gonna lie, I get jealous. I get super jealous. Like I want to go out west. I want to chase antelope and and elk, but I think with with where my family as is at right now, I don't think that is practical to do. I don't want to use them as an excuse not mm-hmm. to do it, but I don't think it's it's practical from you know a financial sense and from a um, you know balancing family sense. So um, I I can't I can't take a week off and head out to Wyoming or Idaho. But what I do, what I am fortunate. In, um, where you don't have is like, and you know, I can walk 200 yards behind my house and be in a tree stand and, and hunt for an evening and have, and, and I've had success back there and, and shot multiple deer. Um, so I have that ability, you know, walk outside and shoot a couple squirrels and, or, or whatever. And it's all within, you know, five, 10 mile radius of my house you know, the longest hunting trips I take is when I go to my parents for the weekend and I usually take a couple kids with me and, you know, they get to hang out with Nana. But, uh, yeah, the, the length, uh, length of the trip has definitely decreased to be measured in, in hours and not days for me nowadays. And and looking at it like you, I, I think if you look at the amount of time, I don't know, this is a hard thing to figure out. Uh I, I I would imagine that you probably spend more time afield than I do, like either hunting or fishing. But I bet you I spend more time cooking. <laughs> <laughs> or thinking I'm about cooking. cooking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it's um, this this year has been strange for obvious reasons. And so you know, I definitely got more time afield this year, but yeah, like if you, yeah, if you string all of those, you know, couple hour trips together, it's definitely, you know, adds up quite a bit. And, you know, if I take the time to sit down and look at that, you know, I should really, really, you know, take my wife out on, on more dates and more trips to, to show my appreciation. Nice, Corey. So, um, we really like that perspective for sure. So, Nick, what's what's kind of your take on on uh, measuring trips, hours versus days? Um, just like Corey, I've I have the blessing of being able to basically walk out my back door to my hunting grounds, and whether it be just on my immediate five acres that I have, or if it's the, um adjoining farm or the, even the, the public land that's like literally two minutes away. Um, my boys at one point, they're going to be able to walk and then just get lost into hundreds and hundreds of acres, um, which is a blessing to be right there in the thick of that. It's also one of those things that um, you, you got to balance one of those things where, where you've, you can't quite shut off at that point. Like, I have my phone on my hip and I'd love to be able to just shut that off. But if something does ha- happen at the house, like I literally am a quick run uh, 
back to the house in case something was happening. Um, I had one where uh, it was, I told the wife I was going to be back. It's going to be after dark that I'll be back. And she knows how that's going to roll. It's going to be roughly be 830 that I'm going to walk in the door and have a story to tell. Um, but she needed me back at seven and she's like, Hey, I need you to, to get down and, and come. And, and she's one that's, she would like it for me to, to be able to fulfill my hunt. She wants me to, you know, she loves wild games. She loves eating that. And she appreciates the outdoors, but she has said, she's like, I just, you know, sitting out in the woods with you during the hunting season. I'm that's not just not something for me. I want you to do that. Um, but if I, I, if I do call you back, I, it's cause I really need you. So I was like, all right, shoot. So I'll get down. So I'm using my climber and I'm getting down and put my bow down and set my pack down. And as I'm strapping up the, the climber to, um, put everything so I can now carry it. I, I hear a bunch of rustling behind me and I turn around and here comes a huge eight point just kind of nosing his way through the thicket. And I am like, got it. He is, he's in range. I bet you he's 20 yards, 25, somewhere in there. So I grab the cam of my bow to then pick the bow up. Like maybe I can get a shot. Maybe I can make this happen. Well, the weight of my pack that was now laying on top of the bow, I was like, shoot. So it's pinned to the ground. I I don't want to make any motion. And luckily the buck didn't spook then, but he circled and went back into the thicket and I thought he was leaving. So I waited another Oh, I, I counted in my head. I thought I counted 60 seconds to be like, okay, one minute away. He's he's going to be gone. So I stand up, and as soon as I stand up, I hear that way off in the distance that he had, he had somehow winded me or figured out that something was there, and he just turned around and watched me. But, you know, it was... I enjoy that hunt and the fact that how close I was to that, that critter. And I think people could take that at that same time and be like, doggone it, I had to my hunt was ruined at that point. But at the same time, like to have that experience and to have it as frequent as I have it, um, because of how easy access I have to land that everybody owns being public land. And then my little five acres, um, it does make it, uh, it does make it the quantity at that point, And then you find quality as you go along with it. So yeah, I, I agree with Corey that, you know what? Some there is something to be said to be close to home. That you can those hours are precious. That it suffices when you you don't need the whole days or the whole weeks away. Mm-hmm. That you can get a little bit here and there. That's awesome. Um, I yeah I I think that's great and and I'm I'm looking forward to moving in that direction to where hopefully I can create opportunities closer to home. Uh, as as we come up on moving time for me so tbd on where i'm going but going somewhere going um, somewhere spin the wheel see where it's go, going somewhere we'll see where we end up at mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 percent with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market
I do want to shift gears a little bit and and hit some recipes. So I want us to stick with the family theme uh, as we're going because I think this is a very family-centered episode, and I like it. There's a lot of meat to it. See what I did there? Oh. um, (laughs) um, But so think about this for a second. And uh, Nick, since you're the guest, I'll put you on the spot first. But uh, what what are some of your your go-to family wild game recipes uh being up here um we've got a couple kings here in michigan it's uh you know the when it comes to the hoof it's going to be venison um squirrel and rabbit right up there as far as um poundage of of animals taken like they there's a lot that's there um and then the same time, like being from from Michigan, where you're no more than ten minutes walking distance from a lake anywhere, uh, panfish is huge. So the first recipe I'm going to kick off with is just going to be some some fried panfish uh, gills. I I appreciate the skin on. Um, actually, the boys haven't balked at it. They don't they don't really balk whether there's skin on or skin off. Um, but anyway, just to fillet those out and have even if it you know panfish, uh, whether it be perch, whether it be bluegill, whether it be crappie, man, those kids suck that stuff down. It's like meat candy to them, and it's a it's a fun time for them to also like we we get the deep fryer out and then we get a chance to um, be able to dunk those in and um, drop them in, basically almost like eat them out of the fryer at that point. You give them just a couple seconds just to cool down so you don't burn yourself. <laughs> um, my, my quick add in that I started doing this past year, I actually stole it from a food chain from my understanding, Chick-fil-A brines their chicken in pickle juice. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I've heard that. Gotcha. So taking that idea, I throw a mess of bluegills into pickle juice I only give it 15 minutes. Only go about 15 minutes, but you get that same, uh, same level add or same level increase of not only taste, but I think it really holds in moisture better. Um, so you don't get the dried out piece if it's got sat in the oil too long. So I'll add the pickle juice, uh, brine, let those drip dry into, uh, you know, your drakes go with a, either go with a wet batter or a dry, um, I should say I actually like the cornmeal a little bit better. Uh, do a dry dry shake of a bag inside of that. Hot oil on the side. I go with a spicy tartar sauce, too. And that's more for Dad at that point. He puts a couple shakes of cayenne into the homemade tartar. Ooh, I like it. Like, all around, I, I never... Man, this may be an even trade for the the mayo <laughs> the mayo trick mayo trick for pickle for the for the pickle brine. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. I got uh, I got some fish in the freezer. Ooh, yeah. And it's maybe it's just a little bit of salt that's in it that you know you're you're not over salting your your fish at that point. But there's times too where you you do get a, just a bland piece of fish if it's a thicker piece like you get a mm-hmm. thick crappie in there and you do enjoy the white flakiness um being freshwater fish i mean there's not a whole lot to them and it's a pleasant surprise when you definitely take a bite and you have more than just the if there was taste of the oil or the the breading at that point that you finally like oh man there is some taste of this fish it's got just the right amount 
run of salt added to it. I like it. Corey, what were you going to say? The one thing I like to do for the breading, instead of cornmeal, I use Ritz crackers and I crumble them up. So they, I like Ooh, doing that. That's a good trick too. Mm-hmm. I definitely do the, I, I do cornmeal mostly. Um, I will do cornmeal, but I get the fine, like the finest grind I can, I can find, uh, generally. And then, um, the other trick is I, sometimes I do an egg wash. Sometimes I don't, but to get to a little extra oomph in there, I add, uh, if I do an egg wash, it's usually like eggs with a splash of milk. And then I put yellow mustard in there too, in my egg wash. And that gives it like another really unique flavor. That's almost like a aggregate in concrete mm-hmm. at that point. It gives you something, it gives some meat to that. It's going to grab onto something. Yep. 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 I like that. So, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, what, what else you got? Well, I'm going to say this is a kid friendly, but it's not easy. Um, I went down the rabbit hole of hot dogs and not Ooh. just, yeah, I did not, not just shoving to. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't just case a bunch of ground meat, you know, make, uh, brats or sausages which i mean that's a that's a great thing to do but that didn't excite my kids they they liked hot dogs so doing the um the fat and the the meat emulsification inside of a food processor it it worked it it definitely did a good job um in fact if you want to follow along with that recipe here's a quick plug get over to sportsmansnation.com um follow the huntivore link on there and i've got a recipe written there for how i made my hot dogs and they were successful uh and the kids ate them right up they thought they were super good i think they liked them because they were a little bit more smoky i put a definitely a heavy layer of hickory smoke on those as soon as I pulled those things out of the smoker too, dunk them straight into uh, a cold water bath. I did one batch where I did dunk them, and then I forgot to do it on the second batch. And if you don't get them cool enough, you do get a bit of a grittiness um, from from the emulsification. It kind of separates a little bit. But, man, those ones that I dunked, those those turned out awesome and nothing's better than summertime you know you might be watching baseball you're certainly not going to go watch baseball this summer if covid's the going the way that it's going but at the same time to just get a you know a ballpark going venison hot dogs and if you got time this winter give it a shot oh man um yeah i like that i i did it once i did it a little differently but i'm gonna go check out your recipe for sure because it sounds uh sounds really really good and i did i took it and then I broke the uh, split the hot dogs and I made like mini corn dogs, which was like, oh, talk about oh, comfort man. food. I could I could eat those probably by the dozen as you were just, you know, dumping the basket out from that that crispy mm-hmm. fried on those. Now, how, I, would I can't, you, how do you think those would freeze? Could, could you do like a quick fry and then freeze those? Because the other for, thing, too, is like with kids, you want to have something on the spot ready to go. Yeah. Um, I, I think you probably could. Um, it's it's worth an experiment. You just worry about like if your breading would dry out too much um, in the freezer because it's going to zap the moisture out of them. And that's like, you know, commercial level corn dogs and stuff. 
like you're getting at the grocery store that already made, like they, they play around with those ingredients so much. They've, they've got kind of all kinds of junk in there that keeps it from drying out, which if we're trying to go as, is whole wholesome as we can, it's, it becomes more challenging. So. Exactly. It's like hunting with a child on your back. You know, it's a new level <laughs> of hardcore. <laughs> um, Corey, what, what, uh, what do you got? What, what do you got for, for recipe wise? Well, my uh, middle child is on a taco kick. So anything that you put in a tortilla, he eats. So tacos are are uh, popular in my house. And then uh, I hope you're not referring it- to me as your middle child because I too <laughs> have a love for tacos on pretty much everything. <laughs> uh, and uh, my kids love Brenner breakfast for dinner. So I have. I made uh, venison maple sausage, and they eat that stuff right up. And you know, with a side of pancakes, dip it in some maple syrup, and they love that. I uh, yeah, I, I found sorry, I found I found a new. I just uh, get really excited when we talk about <laughs> breakfast. It's one of my fa- it's my favorite meals. Doesn't matter the time of day. I'm the guy that's like, it's ten o'clock at night. What do you want? And I'm like, eggs and bacon, please. Exactly. So, you see sorry. a waffle maker, you start all of a sudden get excited. Yeah. Sorry, Corey. Go ahead. <laughs> who isn't? Who isn't like that though? I, I met a guy once that didn't like waffles, uh, and I and never talked to him again. Good. But, good. <laughs> Forget that guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Corey. Sorry, you're going to tell us something exciting. I. Well, I. My uh, my wife's not a big sage fan, so I found this seasoning maple sausage or breakfast sausage seasoning blend that didn't have sage. And then I mixed my uh, my boss at work for my day job. His family um, makes their own maple syrup, so I bought a quart of the locally made maple syrup. And uh, made 20 pounds of maple sausage and dumped that whole quart of that maple syrup in there. And that that was some good breakfast sausage. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. That was good, good sausage. That just sounds good. Did you go with a natural casing or did you go with a, a synthetic? I, I just do bulk. I just do bulk on that. Just make it in a little slider size patties, and uh, oh, there you I, go. Not even oh, worried about no, the casing no at casing. that point. Oh, okay, yeah, not even worried about the casing. And yeah, we we got an uh, air fryer for when did we get that? We got it sometime this summer. But putting those in the air fryer, how do you like the air fryer? I've heard a lot of people, uh, and we can obviously this is going to evolve into another conversation in the future. Um, but what are your thoughts on the air fryer? It we use it almost daily, be, because hmm. it it I think it's faster than the oven, and okay, and like the one we got has different settings, but um, yeah, I I made I made a batch of boudin and I wanted to test it, and I just threw a couple patties in there cooked them real quick it doesn't stink up the whole house like if i did it in the skillet and 
I don't I don't want to say stink up the whole house, but it doesn't make the whole house smell like I was about to say uh, Boudin smells amazing. They should make candles yeah. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Yankee Candle, yeah. if you would come over to harvestingnature.com. <laughs> They're definitely not going to be a sponsor, so I guess you can say whatever you want. File them away with Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> yep, they go. <laughs> I, got, I got this awesome idea. Boudin. Hello? Hello? Are you still there? Oh, they're going to be like, Boo, what? <laughs> Boudin. Definitely good thought. Uh, sorry, Yank Candle. Sorry, Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> Maybe not that sorry for Bed Bath and Beyond, but uh, they've got some good deals in the Beyond section. But um, so for my three, I want to talk about. Well, I'm not going to cover three. I'm going to cover two, and uh, one I'll plug it because I just cooked it today, and uh, that's the cheesy venison shell and shells oh i can't even say it that's not it's that new but um no it was phenomenal it's really like i don't often cook comfort foods but like when i do they're really really over the top and like really decadent and this one definitely was it's it's like it hits everything you want it's like it's got carbs it's got meat it's got cream it's got cheese it's got lots of spices even has roasted jalapenos in it which they're not spicy, so if you want to go for that recipe. But um, the same plate that you see in the photos is like afterwards, my daughter's like, what's for lunch? And I was like, here here it is. And I look over like 10 minutes later, and she's crushed the whole plate. Um, may or may not have gotten in trouble by my wife for giving her that much cream and cheese and dairy. <laughs> but So we're, um, we're talking like straight up mac and cheese style stuff. We're not talking like the big shells. Uh, Italian stuffed shell at this point. No, it's, no, no, no. It's it's, it's like just... like mac and cheese stuff. So picture like hamburger helper, but like homemade and much better. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Like it, it. That's what it reminded me of. Like the you know the what was it the cheeseburger one? Yeah, I remember eating it, and that's what it reminded me of. Because you put a little bit of the marinara sauce in there too, so it's got kind of a little tomatoey feel to it, but it's definitely like cream. Um, it, it it takes on a good a good uh, gourmet side because like I use shallot, I use the roasted jalapeno, and then I take beef stock and I deglaze the pan and like there's some elements of like it's it's still fancy, but when it comes down to it, it's like it's just shells and ground meat, which is you betcha something magic. But uh, well, speaking of fancy, I know you, Justin. You didn't walk into this with just one style of cheese. What's your cheese blend? What did you mix together? I, so this one I did. I just I just used cheddar, but my go-to cheese. Uh, so if I'm gonna cook with it, is usually Fontina. Like I I'm a huge Fontina fan. I think especially like if Whoa. you're gonna pair it, if you're gonna pair it with meat, like it goes really well. Um, if you're talking about just like eating cheese, like we could go down a rabbit hole of that. But uh, yeah. man. I, I, my Midwest side got real excited for you to like not only drop the cheddar, but to be like, well, there's there's a little bit of Jack in there, maybe a Monterey oh, Jack. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I man, I love cheese though so much. Um, oh, there's so many good cheeses. Anyway, I could dream about that for <laughs> a long time. <laughs> um, the other one I want to talk about though is uh, 
Actually, Corey told me he made this one too, the egg roll recipe. So it's just like a classic take on um on your traditional like Chinese restaurant egg rolls. Like I won't say Chinese food because it's definitely like American Chinese food. But uh, you know, instead of cabbage, I use Brussels sprouts. But you can use cabbage. Uh, Corey, did you use cabbage? No, we use Brussels sprouts. We we followed your your recipe except for the rice wine vinegar. And I have to say, you know, you look at you look at the title, you know, egg rolls, and you're thinking, oh, man, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot of ingredients. We we bought the egg roll wrappers. Mm-hmm. They were like three bucks, if that, like $2.50. Um, we normally have Brussels sprouts. Um, what else did we? And I think we bought the teriyaki. We had to buy the teriyaki sauce. We had soy sauce. And I think the teriyaki sauce was like, two bucks so it wasn't we didn't have to buy a, a ton of different things you know just to buy what we normally buy plus a couple you know a couple extra bucks and um we substituted uh the rice wine vinegar for just apple cider vinegar and man it was it was good and you know what we had we we made a pack of wrappers was 20 and um we filled all 20 and we had extra leftover, you know, stuffing. So I made, yeah, uh, I did too. I made angel hair pasta and put soy sauce in it and mixed, mixed, uh, put a little bit of extra ginger in there and mixed that in and made like a lo mein. And that was good. Ooh, yeah. So it's, it's a super simple, like I wanted to keep it pretty, like pretty simple, but essentially you just take all the veggies and you put them in the food processor and just like knock them down to a smooth consistency. And then you brown the meat and you mix them together and you mix in the sauces and the seasoning. And then you just wrap, wrap the egg rolls, you know, you fill them and wrap them. I think the, the only discrepancy, like when I was, when I was doing it and I made egg rolls different ways before, cause it's a big thing in my house, but, uh, was they always undersell the amount of contents that the egg roll wrapper can hold. So it's like, I'll say, I've said this like four episodes, egg rolls are just like little mini burritos. So you just got to learn to wrap them and you can fit a bunch of stuff in there. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely a learning curve as to how, yeah, how tight you can roll or how much you can put put into one of those. But that just sounds like, yeah, that's just a crowd pleaser at that point. That's like, you know, big game coming up or something. You just make a mess of those. And mm-hmm. I mean, kids and adults are happy at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, you just use whatever kids, ground, ground meat you have. My kids ate, actually ate them. Sorry, I was Corey, surprised that, my kids actually ate them. I, I was surprised that they ate them. One thing, one other thing that we did a little bit different is I bought beef tallow on Amazon and mm. we, we fried them in beef tallow. So I, it doesn't smell the greatest when you're heating it up, but when you're cooking it, the the food coming out of it is delicious. Oh, I tried, yeah. I tried doing some fish the other day, like saltwater fish in there, and uh, it was it did not go over well at my house. <laughs> <laughs> the beef tallow, so I'll, I'll probably stick that. I took a, I, I bought a brisket um, back at the end of last year. And I took all the you know the hard fat and all that other stuff off of it and rendered it down to use, and uh, I've been slowly using it. But yeah, probably won't be frying any more fish in it. But other things have been great. Nothing says you know French fries than in beef fat, man. There's just oh, a yeah. there's just a cool. taste there that, whew, that's good. So 
we've come to, unfortunately, uh, the end of the show, which is sad because we're having a great conversation. Um, but this is where everybody gets the opportunity to, to throw in a last note. So, uh, Nick, given that you're the, you're the guest, do you have a, a last thought for us? Oh, and actually, sorry, before we go to that, uh, that's very rude of me. What's a good way for people to connect with you? <laughs> um, yeah, there's several ways to, to connect with me. Um, a lot of my content can be found at sportsmansnation.com. Um, and we're, we're a collection of podcasts made by relatable hunters and sportsmen that, I mean, we, we're all regular people. We have regular jobs, but we have such a passion um, that we've wanted to bring and make content. And so that's that's kind of what Sportsman's Nation is all about: is just bringing people along. And you know, we want to share our hot tips, we want to share our our experiences, and hopefully that helps you out. Um, but yeah, uh, Instagram is uh, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me directly, either DM or just uh, comment on whatever food I've come out at that point. Um, I always love you know, throwing stuff back and forth. So if you've got a good idea, throw it at me. Um, if you want to take something of mine, just make sure you tag me in it and just say, Hey, I learned this from Nick and it'll be good. I do have a Facebook. Uh, we're a little slow to work on that one. Um, not as much traffic there. Um, I, I have been trying to dabble a little bit into the how to's, uh, by day, I'm a phys ed teacher for elementary students, so I've got a teaching background. So being able to show something, some knowledge to give to somebody is always a big thing. I've got two videos on our Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel um, where I take apart a hindquarter and I take apart a shoulder, which those seem to be intimidating at first, but once you get into them, man, they seem to open themselves up. So check that out and yeah, connect on, on Instagram. It's a good place to, to chat. All right, so now, now that we go back to it, since I've, you've let everybody know how to connect with you, sorry about that. Um, do you have a uh, a last note uh, for us? Last thought? Yeah, um, we've been talking about balancing life, balancing family, balancing our passions for the outdoors, and you know. A, a lot of stuff that, you know, we, we try to get it right. We try to try to get it right the first time that we have, we only have this one chance to do this. And I want to let you know that like you have more than one chance. And in fact, like, I don't want to say failing, but having a missed opportunity, um, or I shouldn't say missed opportunity, but having something not go right makes you a better father. Because your children see you problem solve, your children see you as a human being, and they see you then overcome that challenge. Um, as a sportsman, you just you just get more character from whatever events are going on. So if you don't get it right the first time, don't beat yourself up. The best thing you can do is just to continue to be the best family man, the best wife, the best sportsman that you can be and family member and just get up and try again. Boom. I like it. That's, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, it's not the, not the end of the world. Every, no. every day is an, every day is a new chance to do something better. There's always next year. Isn't that the phrase Corey up here in the North? You know, when you don't get a deer, it's always, oh, there's always next year. Right. Right. <laughs> um, Corey, last thought. I just want to thank Nick for coming on the show. I think it was an excellent conversation. We talked a lot. About a lot of different things that uh, that 
yeah, it was good. It was good talk, and I, I really like what you just said there. And you know, one thing I realized hunting with my son, we sat in the blind this year uh, for an evening, and the deer came out. He had no. He's like, oh yeah, there's a deer right there. He had no interest in the deer. He just wanted to spend time with me. So, kind of echoing what Nick said, it's like just, just be there with them. You know, it doesn't matter if you get a deer, or if you get get anything with them. Just be to, being together. I think is what's the most important. Amen. That'll take you far. I I think at the end of the day, it's it's the little moments that they, they'll remember. It's not not the huge moments. They'll remember the deer and the moment and all that, but not gonna remember the big twelve point over the time they got to sit with you in the stand, like you said. So I think it's just about enjoying time with kids, enjoying time with family, enjoying time with your spouse, either a field at home or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, to echo what Nick said, like you may not always get it right. You may not always balance those plates. Uh, but I, I think fighting to do that, fighting to find the balance and try to, to stay true to yourself and stay true to your family um, is the way to go. And that's sort of my last thought. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks, Nick, for coming on. It's awesome to chat again. We're going to have to continue our chats. Um, As always, show notes will be online, uh, either email, podcast platform, whatever you do. Scroll down, you'll see it. And uh, head over to social media. Click uh, like for Huntivore. And when you're done checking out their page, Make sure you're following us. And then uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to, smash that five-star button. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight, Western. Oh, mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.